0: I don't feel like I'm doing something that's not good. It's not a good use of my time. I really don't, I have no regrets. If I spend a 14 hour day at work, I don't regret it because I'm actually doing something that I care about.
1: The Uniformer, insights and interviews into the people and companies that drive the markets for uniforms, image apparel and public safety equipment. The Uniformer is a production of the North American Association of Uniform Manufacturers and Distributors, the NAUMD. Hello, this is Rick Levine from the Uniformer and the NAUMD. I'm very pleased to be sitting here today with Lee Galperin, president of Smith and Warren. How are you doing today, Lee? I'm doing good, Rick.
0: Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here.
1: Excellent. Very good. I am, I mean, I'm a little bit aware of uh, Smith and Warren products, having known you, what, 25 years now. I hope so. But (laughs) we got a problem um, otherwise. Exactly. But I'm a little curious. What is it that, you know, president of Smith and Warren, what's your year like? What's your day? Like, what do you do all year, Lee?
0: The good thing I enjoy what I do, I'll tell you that. Uh, It is. The best way I can put it, I know this is very cliche, is chief cook and bottle washer. Uh, Because we are, by some standards, a large company. By most standards, a small company. I personally find that I have to think very big and very small and leave just about everything in the middle to a talented team. So if you look at a typical day of mine, uh, it's long. Uh, it starts out as waking up thinking very big and as the day kind of gets started, I kind of jump into it. And I would say that it really as the president of the company, a company of our type, it requires keeping those. Us- our team focused on a big picture and moving you know, towards these bigger goals, uh, but being very on top of the details. Uh, so, you know, it's not uncommon for me during the day to help out with very minute things. And I would probably spend probably eighty-five percent of my day is spent, you know, helping out with the things that don't flow right through. Uh, so that's that's my typical day. It's a long one. You know, I'm very dedicated to the company, very dedicated to our mission. Um, I love what I do. And I think that helps. Um, I feel extremely lucky to get to do what I do, you know, to make a product that people actually care about and value, uh, to get to make something. Uh, I just, I really enjoy it. It's extremely satisfying. But that's what I do as president of the company, big and small.
1: That enjoyment, I mean, not only... Do you enjoy the company and you've been there a long time, Lee, Mm -hmm. but you grew up with the company,
0: right? Yes and no. It's sort of interesting. I grew up uh, in the metal finishing business. My father actually, uh, when I was very young, my father was an engineer. He was working in corporate. He really didn't enjoy it. Uh, He loved engineering, but didn't really like corporate life. took a huge risk when I was about eight years old and bought a metal finishing company, basically doing electroplating, very small company. Uh, this is in the early eighties. He, uh, that's the business I grew up around. So I grew up around metal finishing. He was a job shop. He didn't make a product, which is sort of interesting. So he really enjoyed being his own boss, but he was a subcontractor and he always knew that he wanted to make something. He wanted to be the brand. Uh, so, when I was in high school, you know, pretty late in high school, he bought this small company called Smith & Warren, which is a local manufacturer in New York. It was very small. I really wasn't involved in it. To me, it was really the metal finishing business was the main business. After I graduated college, he had the opportunity to buy another badge company, which had a national reputation, which was called Everson Ross. And Everson Ross had a big name. They were well known. And that gave him this opportunity to make this into a bigger company. That's when he approached my sister and I about joining the company. So I had actually been, I had at that point been in corporate America for several years. I was working, I was a certified public accountant, was doing pretty well with it. And he came to me uh, and offered me this opportunity to join him when he went to buy this company. And that's how it all began. So I didn't actually grow up in it, which is interesting because now my kids are growing up in it and they're hearing me talk about it all the time. So I'm wondering if they're going to love it as much. It's a very different experience. I didn't grow up around the badge business. I kind of got into it we sort of with my family, in essence.
1: That is interesting. So uh, I, I appreciate that then you were able to discover it with dad and kind of. maybe you know weren't coming into it with a chip on your shoulder, something to prove because you were both coming in saying, hey, we're both now going to learn, you know, this business. And and you came in as the money, you know, uh, money manager expert already because you were certified public accountant. And he, you know, uh, he obviously needed that. But it sounds like a dream for him that he got to work with his children on it.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you a quick funny story, which was I quit my job at Arthur Anderson, which was a Chicago company. I know you're from Chicago. And I came over to Smith & Warren, and my dad pitched it as, I need somebody who knows accounting. I need somebody to help me with all these numbers. So I came over there, and and my father knew nothing. He wasn't a numbers guy. That wasn't his thing. He was an engineer. He was a big thinker. He was a tinkerer. So the first day I'm there, and I start working with History Accounting, was his accounting program. And I started seeing all these Things that were done that he had done didn't make sense. It was just a big mess, basically. And I set out to try to fix it. But he came over, and this is something I knew. I knew accounting. And he came over, and he clearly knew it better than I did, which is funny because he'd asked me to come over and help him about, oh, probably mid-afternoon. I said, that's it. I'm done with accounting. I'm going to the factory. And I swore off accounting. And the funniest thing was, I swore it off in the business, I said, I can't do anything in this business that I know. I have to learn it all. Because anything that I know, my father's gonna think he knows better anyway. So I might as well start from in an area of the business I know nothing about and learn from him. And the, the amusing part about it all is I went to college for accounting and finance. My sister graduated with a, who's my business partner, graduated with a comparative religions major and doesn't know a debit from a credit. She joins the company, she takes over the book. I took over the factory. Go figure, right? That is a
1: uh, that is a great family story. That's, I mean... It, we knew,
0: listen, it was a way to avoid conflict.
1: Yeah, interesting. So everyone leaned into what they didn't know <laughs> uh, in order for the ship to rise so that... But you did still know accounting, you know, and she still knew comparative religion. <laughs> it just... Uh, everything, you know, probably aided um, and maybe taking... Uh, maybe taking much more of a open turn the other cheek attitude towards the bookkeeping she was able to work with dad maybe uh, in an easier way than you
0: <laughs> you know as long as you have somebody you trust managing the checkbook it, it all works out you know so it was no it, it was very it was very interesting but that was the uh, that was how we you know that's how we got involved in the business and my father you know he was in the business for nine years before we joined. Uh, but again, it was very small. It was a second. It was really a secondary business for us. Uh, we still have the metal finishing business today. It still exists. It's just not what you would know before. And you've
1: been there. I mean, a long time. What do you attribute? You know, and you have employees that have been there a long time. And you're saying you really enjoy it. And yes, you're you're solving problems, but you know, um, you're really enjoying it. What is it? I mean, what is it about the culture at Smith and Warren that has? has kept you uh, and everyone there so long? How, why is that working so well? It's simple.
0: People, customers. I should say our people and our customers. We have great people. I love working with them. Uh, I've been doing it 21 years. If you in eight-hour days, that's probably 40 years. And I am motivated, truly motivated by people that we work with i've met some of the hardest working most dedicated people and i always think to myself if these people work as hard for a company they don't own i gotta work twice as hard we really have incredible people and they care and we have customers that care i mean we're making a product that people actually care about you know when a customer if we ship a product and it isn't perfect and a customer gets it and they write us about it i get i love it I want customers to care. I want customers to hold us to an extremely high standard. You know our customers, you know they really care about the product they're wearing. It means a lot to them and I'm just so it really motivates me. It really motivates me. I love customer interactions. I'm <laughs> my staff actually is amazed. I'm constantly on Facebook interacting with customers uh, sometimes too quickly. I'm kind of jumping in there. Uh, but it really is a passion for the product. You know, I have a lot of friends of mine that are always talking about the future and where they want to go and where they want to live and where they want to travel. And I love traveling and I love leisure and doing things, with my family, but I also, I don't feel like when I'm at work and when I'm thinking about the company or working with my team, I don't feel like I'm doing something that's not good. It's not a good use of my time. I really don't, I have no regrets. If I spend a 14 hour day at work, I don't regret it because I'm actually doing something that I care about. And over the years, we've added layers to that. You know, we've brought on people that care, taken on new challenges. We've gotten involved in charities, which you know, I'd love to talk about later. Uh, but the business, it's, for me, it's not just about the bottom line. It really is. Smith & Moore is a passion project. It's a hobby. It's It fires, it gets me. It's creative, hands-on, uh, it's everything you can imagine. It's a pretty cool place.
1: Yeah, not. I mean, it's Disney World the way you talk about it, my friend. It is, it's oh.
0: better than Disney World, no lines. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the product itself, for those that don't know already, is um, a, a large part of it is custom badges for law enforcement and public safety professionals. And when you talk about that, the customer cares about that product, you ain't kidding uh-huh. because very often the badge is the one item that a, a, a professional is carrying that really represents their their pride. They can put on the uniform and take pride in a crisp shirt. They can take pride in shined shoes. They can take, you know, uh, great pride in the type of, of uh, firearm they may be carrying and the holster and, you know, all of that is super important. Uh, but that shiny badge that's on their chest or in that wallet uh, that they take out to show people their creds, I mean, that is the pinnacle of their uh, certification, their um, th- the definition of their profession, if you will, mm-hmm. the badge.
0: The badge has a lot of meaning. The badge is, you know, you watch television, right, and you see, you know, it's the gun on the badge, right? The gun and the badge. Give me your badge. Um, you know, it's it's a reflection of their duty. It's I think a lot of people look to the badge to. When they're reflecting on their job and what they do and it's just an important symbol it's, it's really important it's part of it's a very traditional part of law enforcement and public safety in the united states and we're and we're a part of that you know we see ourselves as part of you know that community so yeah it's more than just a stamp metal product there's there's a lot that goes into that yeah there's a lot of passion, a lot of love in the product. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot that goes into it.
1: You know, there's this um, forward movement in a lot of apparel and other production that's a little more just-in-time mm-hmm. oriented, somewhat less putting products on the shelf. Your business has had to be a just-in-time delivery for forever. Because a badge, you know, I mean, there there may be some programs where they're all wearing a similar badge. You know, if I'm a security guard somewhere, you know, I'm part of a team of 100, maybe we're all wearing similar badges. But for the city police departments or even smaller police departments, they've got unique badges per man, per person, per employee, correct?
0: Absolutely. It's very, it's a highly customized product. And we so there are Stock badges. If you go to the mall, you might see an officer or security guard wearing a badge that says "security guard" on it. But if you look closely at most of the badges that people wear, they're customized. They're customized with the company's name, logo, the department seal. A lot of times, we'll make badges that incorporate symbols of the you know from the community, whether it be a the police department, a city hall, a courthouse, a famous tree, a gazebo, uh, sometimes a, a skyline. There's a lot. I mean, we work with uniform committees and badge design committees all the time. And it's amazing how much they care and they really do get into it. But yes, when it comes to the manufacturing, of the product, we make them to order. But we have to be prepared for that. And there's a lot that goes in behind the scenes. There's a lot of software to manage the inventory. I mean, how do you anticipate your needs? Uh, it's not easy. Probably one of our biggest advantages is the fact that we're privately owned uh this is my main investment and i've never we call them blanks the little parts that we make badges into so we start with a blank which is the, the stamping the raw stamping and i always say that those raw stampings are my best investment so if i'm going to put a dollar in google or a dollar in a blank i'll put it in a blank so uh you know we probably our inventories are probably you know somebody was to look at our company they probably wouldn't like what they see because there's a lot of inventory but we have like to be prepared prepare for anything. Definitely one of our, I don't know if it's our trade secret, but I think it's it's a trade secret that nobody will follow. (laughs) I got an idea. Why don't we have an inventory turnover ratio of 0.2? Well, great for the customer, not necessarily for the investor.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because you took it one step uh, down the vertical. I was more thinking of the just in time element between you and your customer. Right. Where, you know, whereas you can't necessarily have them all sitting on the shelf, ordered by three, we'll ship it that day, right? It's that's a different, you know, you have a different animal to be able to custom make it with the name and the, you know, and the seal and all of that. And then at the other extreme, though, yeah, you have to have speculation on your end of how many blanks you need on hand at any given time in order to facilitate, you know, X number of orders per month. Right.
0: We have, we have the number of inventory items that we have is unbelievable. Uh, Tens of thousands of parts. And we have all of them there organized in stock, ready to go. Yeah. We're using, we have software that we've built over the years that helps us anticipate uh, how many we think we might need. It's not always right. I mean, a department could buy 10 badges a year for five years and all of a sudden decide to redo them all and then you know hit us with an order we didn't expect, but we're prepared. We just statistically understand about how many times a year that's gonna happen. Um, so we can usually handle the big order that comes out of nowhere and still get it out in a reasonable amount of time. But it's, yeah, it's a complex business. There's a lot of layers to it. Uh, I've seen people try to get into our industry; they get out fast.
1: And where do you? I mean, where do you see the product line? Where do you see the product line going? Or do you see yourself as staying, you know, specific and wide, <laughs> but you know, only wide for this spe- you know, the specific markets that you're already serving? We're,
0: we're disciplined. We're disciplined. Uh, you know, I'm diversified. You know, I have other business interests, uh, but Smith and Warren as a company. Is disciplined. Yeah, you know, we know who we are and we know what we do. The product doesn't change. Some of how we make it, how we design it, how we sell it, how customers buy it—that all changes. Yeah, you know, we utilize technology to give the customer a better buying experience. Yeah, you know, to give, the, to allow our dealers uh, make it easier for them to sell it. You know, make our make it easier for our customers to get badges fixed and communicate with us. Make it easier, you know, more make it easier for our employees to do their job. All the technology we apply really is not to change the product. It's to actually allow us to continue to make the product. Because people don't want people want everything to change except the product. They want their badges to be the same quality and look the same as they bought them in 1975. They just don't want to have to send their order in by carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> really it's, it's thinking more in terms of how do customers want to purchase the product? How do they want to receive the product? Yeah. Now right. we're dealing with customers that people want to receive it quicker. They want more communication from us. They want yeah. to know more about the process. They want to know, you know, have more visibility, but the product doesn't change now. There has been a lot of advances over the last couple of years in sort of the product development side. So we're still making badges, but now we design in 3D. So when I got in the business originally, we were using airbrush and pencil sketch. Yeah, then we went to illustration, 2D illustration. Now we're doing 3D modeling. Yeah, now we're using 3D modeling. And we have 3D artists on staff, and this is what we do. And everything we do before we cut a die or a mold, you know, we're looking at it in 3D. And that's what customers are starting to expect. You know, the customers say, well, why can't I see the product? Why can't you 3D print it or, you know, show it to me before I, I you know. Th- this is what's changing. So, again, going back to my original statement, technology is not changing the product, per se. It's changing everything else about the company. How do we make the same traditional product? How do we sell the same traditional product? But we're staying disciplined. I know a lot of companies in our industry have moved and tried to, develop different products and substitutes for badges and all different stuff. That's not Smith & Warren. You know, we are staying true to the metal. We are just going to be, we're just making sure that our customers have, get a high quality product and that they have a good positive buying experience.
1: Well, you were certainly uh, a pioneer and a quick to move on the whole uh, design a badge yourself uh, online. And now Many badge makers, even outside the uniform industry, have you know the design-it-yourself type of infrastructure. But you were very quick to um, devote resources to that and have people on staff that you brought on to specifically help the uniform dealers, you know, build tools so that their customers, um, which you know along the line are your customers. Um, uh, order online and that um that has continued to i think that became a pretty integral part of your business if i'm not correct
0: beyond and it's continuing so we actually in 2020 we launched our most recent website which was a complete rebuild uh, it was very exciting technology has always been big for us uh, when my father started the business even in the mid 90s he had an access database uh, and would start edging a factory with Uh, So he was always into owning, you know, having your own software and doing your own programming. In the early 2000s, we actually developed our very first, what we call now, visual badge in conjunction with one of our customers. It was sort of a joint project. I had time on my hands. They were interested. We did it together. Uh, A few years after that, everyone kind of went. We kind of just kept going with it. And I can't even count how many visual badges we're up to now. But the most recent thing now is to get away from the paper catalog. Uh, Our goal is to have and we're pretty close to it, is have every single product we sell down to the smallest item in a modulator so that you can go on our website, find it, you know, see all the options, do everything online with absolutely no need for a paper catalog. We are not reprinting our paper catalog. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry for all the people that want it. I mean, trust me, we get a lot of requests, but we're we the only way to do this rip the band-aid off and say that's it. If it's if it's if we can't show this product on our website, then we're not no. selling it. Period.
1: Do you think that the 3D modeling will influence that even? Like I'm now picturing like those are two adjacent possible, you know, things. Like we, we, we were uh, we, uh, we were on this NAUMD webinar recently that was talking about the, the digital sizing tools that are out there now. And one of the participants asked, well, wouldn't it be then natural for you to take my measurements and show me in the clothing, right? Wouldn't that be helpful? And you know with a with a smile, that technologist you know said, yeah, we're working on that. That's coming, you know and I mean, do you envision that that might be a part of your future as well?
0: Absolutely i mean without disclosing too much of our plans absolutely if you go on our website right now there's a lot of badges that you see that are shown in 3d where you can actually rotate them and see them so more and more are being shown that way the visual badge tool is going to continue to get better uh we've worked on it a lot you know when we first started out we had limitations Yeah, you know, we can only show we, we there's how we showed the lettering was a lot more limited now we're able to show it on complex curves and all different you know really gotten better at that uh, there's more 3D images up there now, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I'm constantly thinking about how to apply new technology to what we do constantly. We're exploring it all, and there's a lot of technology that's in that shop that is different than any other company in the industry has. I mean, most batch manufacturers see themselves as traditional manufacturers. The way they do things is very traditional, you know, sort of a process. Uh, we we made some significant change in the last five years. In fact, there was a change that we made the last five years that was so big that we had to actually you know, just change the way we think. Like we had people that thought one way, and we we in some cases almost had to part ways with them. Well, we did have to part ways because they just couldn't think about it a different way. Like everything was changing. Most people in our organization, it's kind of amazing, but people really do pull through, you know, and they're able to kind of as so much retrain, but kind of, yeah, I guess it's like retrain or, or think about things in a new way. A lot of, even going from paper catalog to digital catalog, I had to use this term decoupling all the time because it had everything had to be rethought. Like the way you show something in a paper catalog and the way you show it on a digital catalog is not the same, just not. It's It's different. You know, customer's expectations, the customer's expectations when they're looking at a computer screen are very different than their expectations when they're looking at a paper catalog. Usually Mm -hmm. even a different type of customer, but what they expect from this computer screen is different. So, you know, we dig into every inquiry that we get, you know, why why is the customer asking this question? Well, you know, if a customer does order something incorrectly, we don't say the customer is not smart, we say, what did we do wrong? Like, why had this customer get misled?
1: How did we not guide them correctly?
0: Right, what did we do wrong? Yeah, I, I'm hard on myself. I'm hard on myself. It's tough. I know, it's like I'm always, I blame everything on myself. Really? Oh, interesting. Everything, yeah. If a customer makes a mistake, it's my fault, somehow.
1: Do you see that as a positive for a leader though? Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing for a leader to feel?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You can never blame everything that happens within the organization. Good or you know, is my fault. It's 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 everything that happens in the organization. Yeah, there's no people say, you know, everyone likes to blame everything on a careless errors or somebody's fault. They didn't remember. Well, why should they have to remember? If they have to remember, let's build a system around that. Yeah, you know, let's let's eliminate. Oh, you know, oh that person's not with the company anymore, and that's why this happened because the new person is doing that job and they didn't know. Well, let's make it so they don't have to know. Like, why do they have to remember? that this customer shifts on mondays you know let's put that in the system let's build a system around that so and as the business is growing there's always this balance right the business is growing you sort of try to anticipate what kind of you know what kind of systems you're going to need but then as it grows you discover that there's certain weaknesses so you patch them up and you kind of tear things down and rebuild and it's constant it's constant
1: how is employment going? Are you finding you can find the right people and train them? And you know, you we know? went
0: through a difficult period in 2020. Uh, we had to downsize pretty dramatically and pretty quickly, um, and then we had to grow it back pretty quickly. Uh, and in that process, we had to do a lot of recruiting. And at first, we were struggling with it because we always had—I'll say—we were—we were flawed in this area. We would hire people, we throw them into the factory, and. You know it wasn't a lot of introduction there wasn't a lot of selling going on i'll call it and i work with my managers and i say you know we're one company we have this thing and our thing we're one company right people have to join the organization they have to want to join the organization so when people come when people respond to one of our ads like sell them on it like don't just you know obviously there's the basics of can you work the hours you know can you do the work? Are you a hard worker? You know, all these questions we ask people to make sure that they're going to be reliable, but let's go beyond that. Let's talk about the company and what we do and you know, get them kind of sold on it. Like, let's engage them a little bit. Let's make them feel a little welcome. Mm-hmm. So we've actually had really good retention lately and we're getting a lot of referrals, which is interesting. So it, it worked, it worked. And that was a shift we had to make during the pandemic, when it was hard to find people, a lot of people complain that there's no good help out there. There's no good. I disagree. I think there's a lot of good people out there. They just want to work for good companies. Yeah. They don't want to feel like they're a cog in the wheel. They want to feel like they're respected, that they're part of something big, that part of something good. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of people that run factories. They look at people and machines. as sort of the same thing. You know, Machines break down and people make mistakes. I don't look at it that way. I, I understand the difference between a machine and a person. And I hope, I know my managers do too. So we want people to feel, and I'm, I know people do feel that way because I'm constantly amazed at how at how people uh, come through. I mean, even today, actually before this call, I was doing a project for a customer and apparently I forgot to order something. Yeah. So everyone likes it when the boss makes a mistake, right? It's always that. Yes. You know, I always joke around that if I wasn't if I wasn't the president of the company, I would have been fired a long time ago. But you know, it was like two thirty in the afternoon on a Friday. We have to overnight something for the customer. We didn't make it yet. I'm not. They're gonna get it done. They're gonna get it done. I'm just always amazed.
1: You had mentioned earlier there were some um, uh, charities causes that the company's involved in, or you're involved in, or.
0: We've gotten very involved. I mean, as per, on a personal level, I've always been involved in, in some causes, of different causes. And um, as a company, we got involved. It started out with. It actually started out about eleven years ago. It was the tenth anniversary of nine eleven. We were being asked by a lot of departments to develop products for this co- for, for the ten year anniversary, and we were very conflicted about it. Um, you know, we are a New York company. We, you know, I lived at that at, at 9-11. I lived three blocks away from the World Trade Center. You know, a lot of people at the company were very directly impacted by the events of 9-11. And we just didn't feel comfortable profiteering off of it. It just, it just, something felt wrong. We just, I couldn't get my head around it. I always feel like if you do right, the right things happen. And I just had a really hard time with this. So at some point, we got pressured enough that so somebody said, please, we know you to make this one, one product. And I said, okay, but only I got to find a charity or something. So I ended up connecting with a local charity called the Ter- uh, Terry Farrell Fund. It's a small charitable organization in the New York area that donates used fire equipment to fire departments that can't afford it. So I contacted them. We ended up developing this product. We did a cause marketing agreement with them and donated. Uh, I think we raised four or $5,000 for them that year. And it felt good. It felt right. I felt like I can go to my employees and I can ask them to get involved with this. And fast forward a couple of years, we started making the pink badges. And again, we found an opportunity to really, let's let's link up with a charity, see if we can do good. So we contacted the National Breast Cancer Foundation. We ended up signing an official cause marketing agreement and it was the start of a really incredible relationship. And I found that it engaged our customers, but also engaged our staff, our team. Like people felt good about being part of a company that's kind of doing good things. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're supporting families, right? The families that work for the orchid company, right? We're obviously making profit for shareholders and they're you know, kind of adding value to the bottom line. That's important to a company. Um, we're making customers happy because we're getting them a product that they want and that they value and they feel good about. And we're also giving back. You know, we're also giving back. And for a lot of people, yeah, that's satisfying for so people who work in the company. You know, when we donate money to these charities. It's a little bit for every person. You know, everybody donated it, but I didn't do it. We all did it. And I, I think that's awesome. So we did that program. Then we ended up doing when COVID ha- happened, You know, when the pandemic hit, we started noticing there's demand to do COVID-19 awards service bar, something related to COVID-19 for people who have served, you know, who served. So again, you know, we were looking for business at the time. Obviously there was business was down. So our people needed work, but we didn't feel good profiteering off of a pandemic. So, and for me, the most important thing at that time was keeping my employees busy. So we ended up connecting. I found out about a charity called the First Responders Children's Foundation, which was actually born out of 9-11. And I read an article about how they were donating hotel rooms to first responders in New York City who didn't feel comfortable going home. And they had gotten some pretty high-profile donations for some big celebrities. And it was really taken off. So I reached out to them, and I told them what we were thinking of doing, and they totally bit on it. And usually a, a normal donation would be 10%. But I said, nah, let's just give them 20% because I really didn't feel, I was like, this is this is for the employees and for them <laughs> my part let's just get rid of that part so i need to keep people busy so we did this deal with them we ended up being ended up being very successful it was really exciting and everybody got into it it made people feel a little better you know because we had to work we were essential at the time but i think it made people feel like we were doing something so we're working and we're donating money to a really a good cause that was immediately using the money nice yes yeah, so that felt good Probably our highest profile relationship now is autism speaks, uh, which is very personal for me. Uh, my oldest son is autistic and yeah, he uh, he's an awesome kid. Amazing. Like keeps me on my toes every day. It's interesting as he got older, I started thinking about what's life like going to be as what's life going to be as an adult. You know, I'm amazed at how, how kind kids are nowadays. There's no bullying. It's, it's a different cult, different than when I grew up, but you know, Auti- people who are autistic they interact differently you know with people in society it's just the way they interact is different and for people who aren't familiar they might not know how to interact with them you know how to interact and what i started finding out was that law enforcement officers get training in this there's actually autism awareness programs so it was, it was very relevant like and and At the time that we were thinking of putting this program together, there was also a lot of negative stories about law enforcement out there, about how law enforcement weren't sensitive and didn't get this type of training. And I started finding out that it was the exact opposite, that in fact, they do get this kind of training and and all sorts of issues. And you know domestic, how to deal with domestic situations and just interacting with all different types of people, different cultures, different races, um, mentally ill people, developmentally disabled people, so I thought the, this was awesome because but I thought this was really awesome because, you know, we could help, the we can raise money for Autism Speaks, mm-hmm. you know, helping spread the word of kindness and acceptance. And we can also help the police departments with a good PR story, like help them show what type of training they're getting, the fact that they are, there are programs. And a lot of the police departments that contact started, contacted us are sharing their programs with us. And we're going to highlight a lot of those in our marketing in April. They started sharing with us the programs that they have and how much training their officers get, and it was amazing. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And we've raised a lot of money for Autism Speaks now, uh, so it's just been incredible. I mean, I think in total now for the last four years, we've donated over seventy-five thousand dollars to these charities.
1: Wow, wow. So yeah, wow.
0: we're a small company. You know, we're not a. You know, we may have a big national brand, but we're not a.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's significant. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's very exciting. It's extremely exciting. And it, it motivates me and it, we find that in the company these are just popular programs. Like people get into mm-hmm. it. Like right now we're in blue season and you know tonight we're gonna do uh we're gonna do the blueing of the badges and we've got a massive amount. I mean, it's exciting. So oh. everyone gets into it.
1: Well, I really appreciate you sharing the the you know the journey of 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 the charities and uh, and good work you know the give back programs that 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 you and the company are involved in and you found you know not just one that you had a personal um you know interest in uh because of your your family but, you know, that there's these others that serve the community of your customers yeah. that, you know, here's here's frontline workers, here's public safety workers, here's emergency workers. And, you know, and here's ways that you can, um, yeah. you know, not just be, a you know, a, a good guy or a decent corporate citizen, but actually feel like, hey, we're you know, we're doing something that. You know, that can actually help, that can actually affect. And putting our, you know, the money where the mouth is kind of thing, giving, yeah. you know, giving the money back.
0: I think I think I actually I started to up, but I think we I forgot about our biggest one we which is we just launched today, actually. We're doing for this is 20 years. I should have mentioned that. We went back ten years, oh. but this is actually the twentieth anniversary this year. And we actually are doing a deal with uh, well, we're we're marketing a program to benefit the Stephen Siller. Tunnel at the Towers Foundation, which is the largest 9-11 related charity in the country. Uh, tremendous organization. I think very, very well respected in the industry. Uh, and we're gonna be marketing a line of 9-11 badges, commendation bars, in Signia, and insignia and it's another one that we think this is gonna be very successful. And we're just excited to be involved with this charity. They, if you look at the work, if you look at the work they do, they're in everything and they're doing direct financial assistance to first responders who are injured in the line of duty. They're paying for funerals. They're uh, paying for uh, medical research for 9-11 cancers. It, it's amazing. I mean, they are just, they're all over the place and uh, we're, we're just super excited to be helping them.
1: You're really enjoying this ride. Would you <laughs> would you recommend this to uh, a young person? Would you recommend it to um, your children, your sister's children? Any you know, a recent college graduate? What do you think of this this industry and uh, and its future?
0: I think it's amazing. I, I I work with people who've been with our company now. You know, a lot of people that that I hired are still with me. So people that I started with that I hired twenty years ago are still with the company. People I hired actually, one of my employees reminded me yesterday. Some we had a little funny incident that happened, and he said, "Don't worry about it, Lee." He goes, "I know you fourteen years. You know we have had very little turnover, so I think it is a good industry. I think you'd have to ask my employees. You know, I, I think that I think part of the reason they stick with it is because it is, it is a good industry. Uh, it's a very niche industry, but it's a good one. As for my kids, it remains to be seen. Uh, you know, they're we'll have to see." You know, my kids are 12, 10, and 8. My sister has two. uh, I forget their ages, but they're somewhere in there, too. And (laughs) They're all good kids. They're all really smart. And I would highly recommend it, but I'm not going to force them into it. Yeah, I'd highly recommend it, but I want them to choose it for themselves. You know, they're always welcome to help. I mean, I bring home Ziploc bags, and they stuff them all the time for me. You know, and they, they seem to enjoy that, at least getting paid part. But uh, we'll see. I, I just—I think my advice to my kids is just—I I hope that they're as lucky as me. I hope that they actually get to do something they enjoy, and that they never feel like it's a means to an end.
1: I like that phrasing of it. That description of it—that um, is beautiful. Lee Gelprin, the president of Smith Warren Smith and Warren, um, you can find them actually at smithwarren.com. But Lee, it was such a pleasure talking with you today, and I really appreciate you taking the time.
0: You too, Rick. I appreciate this opportunity very much.